0: What kind of mythical powers does the sun devil have? We've got to consider that.
1: It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're three and one somehow, and we got all the voters fooled, thinking we're pretty good.
2: Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic
3: ability. Welcome to the Roto Wire College Football Podcast. It is Wednesday. August 5th, Miguel enjoyed as always by John McKechnie, John, we were just talking off air about the the potential sponsor for this week's episode. And I think we've come to the conclusion that on one hand, the sports illustrated branded, uh, like NuGenix products are so ridiculous of a product that they deserve a multi-week sponsorship.
2: They, yeah, absolutely. They do. So they kind of have residence on here, uh, for at least, uh, another week, um, you know, I, I loaded up on the protein powder over the course of the last yep. week. Uh, the The gains have been uh, astounding. Yep. I look like the hunchback from uh, the, the the film The Three Hundred. Yep. Um, so I'm just walking around with uh, two gigantic of traps because of of the effectiveness of mm. the potions I've been using the Sports Illustrated brand potions. And of course, once again, uh, skull is throbbing at a, yep. at an optimal That's rate. Uh, because I took the brain formula. So, I mean, really yep. just clicking on all cylinders, um, certainly not going to be bleeding out of the ears, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the next few minutes or anything like that as I promise.
3: Yeah. I've been injecting the brain fluid directly into my brain, which is now <laughs> huge. It's maxed out its capacity inside my cranium. And I'm like, I'm just so optimized right now, but I think this will, this should kind of be like a King of the Hill situation where another product is going to have to come along and knock off sports illustrated wellness products from the I sponsorship like we we need somebody to really step it up because this is probably the best one we've had i mean we've we've tackled the tack glasses eugenics obviously that was a that was a throw in um but it's going to take something really special i think to knock off this the sports illustrated formula yeah I'm, I'm good with
2: that um you know we'll we'll have our, our legal team uh, draw it all up and everything is you know the the king of the hill clause in the, in the contract. But uh, I think that is important and essential because yeah, it, we need, if we're going to move off of SI advanced powders as the sponsor, it does need to be something uh, worthy of it.
3: So you were asking me earlier this afternoon, how much sports I've been just ingesting uh, via my mouth, I guess, uh, this last week or so since the NBA has been back Uh, I, I recently joined a new gym. I've, I've moved, um, closer to the Milwaukee area, uh, still obviously with road still doing the same thing, but, uh, this has given me the opportunity to join a new gym and this gym has a bunch of televisions around, uh, as, as most gyms do. So I was watching sports this morning while working out and, you know, speaking of sponsorship opportunities, I, I spoke to a man who was at least in his sixties, possibly older, who said he had just returned from the famous Sturgis bike rally which I I think there's a potential partnership opportunity for us there. He noted unsolicited that uh, there were over 200,000 people there. Again, I did not ask at all for any of this information uh, and that none of them were wearing masks. And then he quickly followed up and said maybe four or five people of the 200,000. So if you needed an update on, uh, I guess, riding motorcycles is kind of a sport. That's how people are doing it out in Sturgis, South Dakota. I, th- I think so. I think that's right, and yeah. I love
2: I love the fact that there are two hundred thousand people there. Um, all of them, h- all of them had bandanas that they could have sure. easily fashioned into masks and really made this right. a non.
3: To, <laughs> non- be, to be fair, though, like a leather mask is not super comfortable. There's not a lot of breathability there. There's a risk for potential suffocation.
2: No, sure. It's it's all about the comfort when you're at Sturgis. So, like, I, I get it. Just uh, you know, riding free, but uh, I, I do like the the visual of like just. 200,000 people not wearing a mask while all like having the mask just below their neck or something like that. Right. Extremely accessible.
3: Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of my kickoff to the day, uh, when I was peacefully taking in some sports. Um, but it's, it's been an awesome week. It's been really good to be thoroughly busy again during work hours. I mean, we've, I know we've been, we've been really fortunate at, at roto that, you know, we haven't had to, to deal with any massive layoffs or anything like that. We've had to scale things back in terms of um you know what we do with a lot of our remote content but you know for the most part the team is still intact and it was a kind of a long slog for a while there I, I don't know how you felt about it the first couple of weeks without the NBA were tough but at the same time it was like okay it was a little bit nice to get a break from you know that daily grind of like wake up immediately start checking for lineups check up for any news that came in from 1 to 7 a.m you know that type of thing so it was a little bit of a reprieve And then it very quickly turned into, this is awful. There's nothing to look forward to. I'm watching shows and movies that I would never otherwise watch or show any interest in. And, you know, finally we get, we get sports back and it's kind of been incremental, uh, with, with one sport falling into place and then another following suit. But with the NBA actually coming back and having real games, uh, starting last week, it's, it's honestly been better than I expected. You know, there's still some kinks that need to be worked out with some of the, the audio in particular, in my opinion, but I'm sure you've got some games. Everything's looked awesome. I mean, baseball there's been some obviously high high profile major struggles, but it seems like at least for, for better or for worse, they're they're gonna push through. And you know, when you start to look at the standings, we're already like a sixth of the way through this thing. And I'm starting to have some confidence at least that, you know, hopefully this is all going to pretend well for for college football and professional football, as <clears throat> maybe maybe baseball hasn't set the greatest example, but at the same time, they're at least maybe weeding out or kind of leading into some of the problems that the NFL had encountered had they been the sport uh, or football in general, had that been the sport to come back first?
2: Right. Yeah. So, so baseball uh, being like the first one out um, as, as far as going non bubble, but, you know, major sport. Um, yeah, they, they are kind of wearing it in certain uh instances, of course, but uh, yeah, they, they are kind of trying to figure out ways to to do it on the fly. But yeah, in general, uh, back to like your, your larger point there, like especially in June and July when like the novelty of uh, like no sports and like the kind of general shock of it like wore off. And then it was like sports are close, but there's all these lit labor uh, agreement entanglements and just like kind of weirdness with that. Like I, I was starting to get uh, pretty... Pessimistic about sports in general coming back, but uh, yeah, the the not only just with baseball, but um, basketball, like you said, that that bubble is going really, really well. Um, I've even been treating myself to watching a little bit of hockey, you know, during the day, Um, just to have live sports on again while while I'm working. It just it's great. Like uh, I'm so pumped about it, and so like happy and thankful to to have it all back in any capacity. So um, even if it is just a totally silent game between the the Maple Leafs and the Panthers or whatever, like I'm still down to watch it. That's how sports deprived uh, I've been, and probably we, we've all felt in in one way or another. So good to have it back. Um, and now you know things are. It, it like definitely waffles on like a week-to-week basis, but um, I, I do feel like this week there's been a mix of, of negative stuff when it comes to college football season, um, but a, a also a, a bit of some positive news, some stuff to make me think that they are going to really, really try to push forward to try to make this season mm-hmm. happen one way or the other.
3: We hit on this a little bit on last week's episode, but the major challenge... Uh, outside of the the kind of amateurisms uh, concerns that surround all of this that that college football faces is just the the public dissension between conferences. You know where the Pac-12 is kind of leading the charge in terms of I wouldn't say being anti-playing, but you know they're the conference that's laid out all these demands. You know, and they're they seem to be on the forefront as far as being united as a conference and saying if these things don't happen, we're not going to play. We haven't really heard the same thing from from the Big Ten. You know, they've they've been a little bit behind the Pac-12. The SEC has basically just been silent, 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 you know, on on this and business as usual until, you know, forces that be just don't allow the season to happen, which is is still very much in play. But, you know, we saw some pretty high profile opt outs uh, in the Big Ten. Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, Micah Parsons from Penn State. Uh, I don't know if Parsons is officially opting out yet, but there are reports that he's basically going to. Mm -hmm. And you would you would imagine that where there's smoke, there's fire in that situation. Caleb Farley at Virginia Tech as well you know guys like that are opting out um, you, you're likely to see others do the same but then at the same time you know you mentioned it's there's kind of this daily or you said weekly i think it's more daily you know flood of sometimes negative sometimes positive information and at times it can be you know you can have two things published on the same day that that run completely counter to each other there's an article by Pete Thammel on on Yahoo Sports this morning that was pretty grim um, you know, the, the, the quote that, that headlines it, and it actually is in the headline, uh, from a, a anonymous power five AD said, you can feel the tidal wave coming as far as, you know, what this is all going to eventually look like, you know, kind of comparing it to, to major league baseball, you know, everything was great. And then all of a sudden there's a breakout. And when you're talking about so many players and so many teams and the amount of travel involved, it does feel like there is that, that kind of inevitability. I, I think the question in a lot of ways, is like what level of risk are not only these schools but conferences, the NCAA overall, like what level of risk are they willing to tolerate? And I, I think they have to be prepared. If if that if the if the answer to that question is a high level, they have to be prepared for a flood of criticism beyond even what the NCAA faces on a daily basis from from its critics.
2: Right. Yeah. So the the. the- this is a high wire act, and it's going to be—it's going to take a lot of things going perfectly right for the NCAA to, to come out of this. Um, yeah. not, and I don't think there's a way that they come out of this unscathed. I think it's going to look a certain way if—if if a season goes off in any way, shape, or form, just because of you know the just the sheer fact that we're, we're trying to push forward with the college football season during a pandemic, like that just looks a certain way to, to some people, and it's mm-hmm. never going to get a positive uh, type of spin. But yeah, like like you said, there are just certain realities that are unique to college football, wh- whether it is the support staff size, the the overall team size uh, being completely different than, than or just not comparable um, to what other sports rosters uh, really look like. Um, and then just the fact that, you know, these guys, these guys are on college campuses. You can't expect them to be, you know, perfect choir boys. And you can, and you also probably can't pull off the bubble without like admitting that they are, uh, like employees of the school. So like yeah. that, that's a whole another, uh, layer of red tape to, to cut through for, uh, for college football. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, there, there's been a lot of uh, you know, negative stuff. And, you know, shortly before we recorded today, or, you know, just like an hour or so ago, uh, Louisville had to announce that they're shutting down practices for the time being after like 28 uh, positive cases through contact tracing and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh cropped up. So that's not great. But then, you know, you get sometimes as a, as a college football fan or analyst or, or both, uh, you get the little bit of the carrot and that, that I think today was the big 10 releasing their official schedule. So like, maybe I'm still just riding off that high and, and not thinking too hard about the, the negative aspects of, of all this right Mm -hmm. now, but I am like legit excited about this big 10, uh, schedule.
3: Right. I, I kind of ended up talking myself in a circle around this, but that's what I was going to get to before is even though you have this this kind of, I wouldn't call it a bombshell story, but a pretty negative story from Yahoo Sports about how bleak things might look uh, on a macro level for the season, an hour later, the Big Ten releases its schedule and there, there wasn't the typical fanfare. You know, I, I know uh, an email went out to uh, students at the University of Wisconsin this morning that was fairly sullen in describing you know what this season is going to look like Uh, obviously no fans and you know the the likelihood that fans come back at any point in 2020 is is very low but I mean it's it's tough because it's August 5th you know and these schedules they have to come out at some point like week one is scheduled for exactly one month from now September 5th Indiana at Wisconsin your Maryland Terrapins at Iowa Ohio State Illinois like those games uh, some of those games even start earlier in the week. September third, I believe, is is that week one opener for mm-hmm. for OSU and Illinois. So, you know, it, I, I think a lot of these conferences kind of waited as long as they reasonably could. I think there was some hope that at some point at the national level there would be some leadership. You know, there would be, um, you know, a, not even a flattening of the the COVID nineteen curve, but a you know kind of a, a downturn in cases. And you know, month after month, week after week, that just hasn't been the case. And they've reached the point where you can't announce the schedule, you know, keep hoping and announce the schedule a week before games come out. Like at some point you just kind of have to plow through. And even if it's not the best look PR wise, these schools weren't left with much of a choice. Yeah.
2: Okay. I think so. Now the, the final domino, at least among the power five conferences is the big 12 as for when they're yeah. going to start. So the clock is ticking if they want to start on a relatively on time type of basis, which was uh, the sentiment of, uh, uh, when we were recording last week, that maybe they're they're going to explore week zero, maybe get some of their uh, games in their their non-conference games in, and that last weekend of August, and then get things rolling um, the following week and um, the first week of September. So the clock is ticking. If the Big Twelve still wants to go that route, and I think there's a bit of a precedent maybe set by the Big Ten now that you know that you can announce your schedule. A month ahead and and it's doable, but um, anything less than that is just kind of um, it it sends a we're flying by the seat of our pants type of message um, to to the fans and and to anyone that's paying attention. It's like, okay, well, hmm, I don't know how they came up with that. Um, Maybe the Big 12 will end up going the delayed route. Um, like the SEC and, and the Pac-12, God willing, uh, are going to end up doing that with that last weekend in September as its um, initial kickoff date, and we'll, we'll have to see what the what the rest of the Group of Five ends up wanting to do as well, because they they seem very willing to play their normal conference schedules, and then they're still looking at um, playing upwards of four non-con games. So I don't know if they're going to really be able to find their dance partners for that. Um, I know that famously on Monday or, or uh, yesterday uh, that the SMU TCU uh, skillet rivalry uh, will not be playing uh, this year. So that's that's big 12 versus AAC. Um, so that won't be happening. So I think that there is kind of a line in the sand being drawn that the power five conferences can push on with the season this year without having to play outside of it, their conference in um, and, and uh, especially like not have to go down to a group of five um, type of opponent, So I think they're, they're fine kind of being insular this year. And we'll, we'll have to see what the uh, group of five responds with.
3: So we'll get into the Big Ten schedule. You know, we, we kind of have to break it down. You know, if it's going to yes. happen, uh, I, I don't feel bad getting into it. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But what, what do you think this is going to do? This whole, you know, kind of each conference operating on its own for now. What, what does this do to the overall interest level of college football this year, because I I don't know if you've seen like the initial ratings from the NBA bubble for as great as like big diehard NBA fans have loved it. Like the quality of play has been great. I think it's looked and sounded about as good as you could expect, but the TV ratings have not been good. And there's been kind of a lot of discussion on Twitter, at least of what the reason is for that. And, and, you know, no one has really come to a great conclusion. And, And part of the reason for me, I think is there's just probably been a lot of confusion uh for like you know what these games mean if you if you were not following the nba super closely if you're somebody who is just tuning in maybe for those those big thursday night games or you'd watch the sunday abc you know Lakers celtics whatever it is somebody who's not really following the day-to-day it's like how aware were you even that this was happening do you know what the format is do you know why eight teams aren't there do you know that there's going to be a play-in you know for the eight and the nine in the western conference like i i, I think there was kind of a a lack of information um, distributed to the public. There wasn't a ton of promotion. There wasn't a a lot of time to do this promotion. And I think there's a chance that college football in some ways could fall victim to that, where if you're somebody who isn't a diehard college football fan, you know, you turn on your TV in early September expecting to see Alabama and and then you realize, wait a second, they might not play for three more weeks. Like I, I think there's a chance that, that the casual fan gets lost in all the confusion you know, with so many teams and so many conferences operating on different agendas.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point. I I actually wasn't even aware that that the uh, the TV ratings weren't quite uh, where they normally are when it comes to the NBA. I kind of would have mm-hmm. figured the opposite um, with just like kind of how right. sports. So I think everybody just assumed. Been.
3: Yeah.
2: So that that is interesting. And, and it's it's really hard to drill it down to like one root cause. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of factors at, at play, but, you know, to your larger point, you know, this is going to be a little bit tougher to digest for, for like that casual fan who just, you know, like, you know, goes somewhere on, on a Saturday or, or just turns the TV on and, you know, expects uh, certain things, um, you know, and maybe, you know, you're, you're more diehard conference specific type of people um, aren't going to be inclined to turn on their, their college football up until, you know, Ole Miss gets their kickoff or, or whatever, you know, whatever SEC team that they support is or, you know, a, a diehard uh, Oregon or USC fan. You, you see where I'm going with this. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know where the where the uh, overall engagement from from the casual fan will be and what college football needs to do. I think if there's one thing that college football can take from, you know, maybe a a mistake or or an oversight on the NBA, like you mentioned, was the promotional aspect of it. If there are going to be things that are different that people need to be aware of one way or the other, that, you know, this is going to be uh, how we're doing it, we're going to have games on different days now or or we're going mm. to have this conference only thing and like really, really make sure that that is something that is extremely well known. Like, you know, about the 2020 college football season, you know, about this and this and this, you know, right. the format, you know, how things are going to unfold. I think that the the onus, I mean, it's secondary or maybe tertiary to at least to. Um, getting the games actually played type of deal. But um, if there are differences that, that could result in, in a, uh, a a communication breakdown to where the, the ratings take a, a big uh, fall, um, th- that is something that um, college football is going to need to uh, account for.
3: Here's a question. What happens to college game day this year? I don't even oh want to gosh. think about it. I mean, obviously, you can't have a gathering of 2,000 fans, packed into, you know, a tiny little uh, area kind of the, the Home Depot pen.
2: Do the, the um do what what Major League Baseball did where you can like buy your cutout of yourself and then just like have it behind the stage. I mean, Although I'll do
3: that anyway now, right?
2: I think so. Yeah,
3: people so, are cutouts and yeah, I I think they'll get creative with it. You know, I, I think you could do some sort of virtual screen maybe if I mean if I haven't heard anything about this. I I assume college game day will still happen in some capacity, right? I mean, that's way up there on on ESPN's hierarchy of shows, but then again, aren't some of those guys doing NFL this year as well? Um I think
2: if like I think if things went sideways with with college football that that Fowler and Herb Street would be right. on some of the ESPN broadcaster. Okay,
3: that's, that's not happening for sure.
2: I don't think so. I, I don't I don't know that for sure. But yeah, the thing I know that I did see something about that uh, not too long ago. Um, but yeah, they they got to figure out a way. And and the, the good thing about college game day is that it's so goofy and so unique yeah. that they can go in so many different routes and still make it a really fun program, even if they don't um, like have the capacity to get on on campuses and broadcast live in in front of fans. You know, maybe they could. You know, if there's like a, if game day would be at Oregon on a given week, you just kind of have a green screen going of like an old Oregon college game day type of environment go going on behind Texas. the guys. Yeah. So, I don't know, just come, think of something, someone uh, smarter than me, uh, that shouldn't be hard to do, uh, come up with it because yeah, we, we, game day is part of college football Saturday. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it.
3: No, absolutely. And I, I have no doubt that they'll they'll figure something out. But I, I think there's a very good chance that this season just feels uncomfortable, for lack of a better term. You know, no. I think the the NCAA you know has been under increased heat, it seems, year after year after year. And, you know, I, I just think there's going to be a lot of tie ins with that as far as the players not being paid in, you know, in traditional means, at least where, you know, I think it's a little bit easier when you look at, you know, NBA and NFL, baseball have all faced similar criticism, but at the end of the day, the players all opted in because there were significant financial benefits for them. And for college football players, it's just not really the same. Um, and I think it's it's a little bit different when, when you know the players are in on it. You know, guys like LeBron James, Chris Paul, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they were all from the start, dating all the way back to April and May. They were we wanted we want to do this, we want to do this, and you haven't really seen that same uh, type of, type of leadership, I guess, from college football. And part of mm-hmm. it is because of just the, the lack of visibility from those guys. You know, I mean, it it's, it, it means something when LeBron James speaks up, it doesn't mean quite as much when Jack Cohn speaks up. Um, well, but so, you, I, so you say, I, yeah, well, right now, <laughs> well, after this year, that'll be totally different, but, uh, I, I think there's a chance that, you know, not to, to kind of poo poo this season already, but I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, a big A big discussion point relating to the NBA is, you know, when when the playoffs are all said and done, depending on how things turn out, if the six seed uh, Miami Heat win the title, is there going to be an asterisk on it? Are people going to say, well, that only happened because of the extenuating circumstances? You know, if if Wisconsin goes 10 and 0 with its cupcake Big Ten schedule this year and is in the playoff with south Harmon institute of technology baylor and wyoming you know like i I just think there's there's a pretty decent chance that we look back on this season and it's just it's not going to be quite the same
2: i agree with that it it is going to be very strange and in having you know the scope uh drop down to conference only um it'll be a a fun talking point for for fans of some schools and and, you know not so much of others uh you know we'll see you know situation where um take Florida for instance and I, I don't think that this has been made official yet but um, they, they're viewed largely as a as a dark horse uh, playoff team for for this coming season but if the SEC pushes forward with th- this plan I um, again, not official that they will. Uh, probably more likely that they won't. But the expectation was to fill out the ten game conference schedule. You were going to take on your next two cross divisional opponents uh, for the next com- uh, coming season and just get them into this year. So like uh, in that in that case, Florida suddenly would have had, you know, a heaping helping of Alabama on their plate that they weren't expecting for right. for 2020. So, like that, that definitely you know changes the picture and changes the calculus in a lot of ways. Um, as far as as far as yeah, just asterisk on the season. If you are having. A standard four-team playoff, and we're and we're not expanding it. And I, I hope the playoff doesn't get expanded, but that, that's a good, totally different story. But if if it were to happen, just even for like a one-year exception, I think that would almost make more sense because I think it's going to be hard to get a true idea of the four best teams um, in the traditional sense that we've kind of established under the um, under the playoff era. Like you know, what happens if a you know, a Virginia Tech or, or something comes out of nowhere and, and goes undefeated. Um, are they going to have a, a stronger say um, it, for or a claim to a playoff? Or that um, or I'm sorry, re- reverse that course. Uh, say Virginia Tech goes ahead and like wins wins their or runs the table, and then you have Ohio State or Oregon or Oklahoma. Uh, one of those schools has one loss, like. Are you going to leave an undefeated Virginia Tech out of the dance? Like, it, what, it'll be really, really fascinating to see. Even, even though you know, if you look at all the advanced metrics, you look at S P Plus, you look at um, everything that that kind of would point to. Oh, Oklahoma would kill Virginia Tech on, on a on a neutral field if if these two teams actually played each other. But you know, by by virtue of the schedule, virtue of you know getting hot at the right time, um, Virginia Tech ended up being the one that was undefeated. Is that is that the truest mark of who yeah. the best four teams are for this year? So that's going to be complicated, and having it be that four-team playoff uh, for this year, it's going to be wonky. I think that, that we might see one of these Uh, blue blood teams uh, really feel feel like they're on notice and feel like one loss could cost them their their entire season whereas I think in in years past I think one of the good things about the uh, playoff era is that you can survive a loss it's certainly not encouraged and and it can work against you but you can survive one if you know if you get hot the rest of the season that that type of thing or just slip up once but uh, now that that kind of safety net uh, has been removed I feel like
3: yeah, I'm, I'm glad you used the W word. We'll have to bleep that out. Wonky. I, I think there's a pretty good chance <laughs> that it it, do, it does end up being a little wonky. Um, I, I think, like, th- if things go as expected, that probably helps the argument for there not to be an asterisk. You know, if if Alabama beats Clemson for the national title, I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, those weren't the two best teams. You know, I, I think if that's what happens, just like in the NBA, if it's Milwaukee and one of the LA teams in the finals you can't throw an asterisk on that because that's what people thought was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I, I, I mean, my, my previous example was obviously very far-fetched. You know, the, only so many schools really have a shot at the playoff, but if things do get wonky this year, I, I think it would, it would be kind of fun because if there's one criticism of the 14 playoff, it's, it's that it's kind of eliminated those like Boise state, Oklahoma games, you know, and if they're, maybe they're still happening on the fringe of the playoff in some of the other bowls, but they've kind of lost the importance. And I think having, you know, one or two, you know, we're not talking like teams from the SWAC or anything getting into the playoff, but like one or two teams that ordinarily wouldn't get there, I think could be kind of a fun one year blip, you know, even if, even if it doesn't really seem like it's real, does that make any sense?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that would be awesome to see. And, you know, if the rest of the the power five schools, um, they don't field what, what really looks like the, the four best team or round out the, the four best teams, um, you know, And Cincinnati just absolutely steamrolls or like if we took a twenty seventeen Central Florida team and plopped them into twenty twenty, is there a legitimate case for them to be that that fourth team in the playoff? Like this would be a year where where I feel like it should be maybe a little bit more open to in that in Mm -hmm. that sense.
3: So this is an entirely different podcast, but are you against playoff expansion at all? Like you're you're good with four teams?
2: Yeah, I like four. I I think that we generally like the percentage of semifinal games that have even been watchable is pretty low. I mean, we got treated to a great one between Clemson and Ohio State this past year. Uh, The Georgia Oklahoma Rose Bowl is like one of my favorite games ever. Um, There were, you know, the, the Bama Ohio State one from the first year. But generally speaking, those one, four and two, three matchups stink.
3: Like it's just kind of like no other way. Yeah. The evidence backs you up for sure. Uh, I would say, I would say 70% of those games have not been all that close. I think that's totally, that's totally legit. But I think going into most of those games, you felt like they were going to be close, right? Like it wasn't like, man, what is this four seed Oregon doing here? You know, like some of the, some of the blowouts have been like four seed Ohio state blowing out a one, you know, like I, I don't think you can, I, I don't, it doesn't feel to me like it's already too watered down. And obviously it's not with only four teams. Like, I'm a big proponent of the 16 plan. I don't necessarily like the automatic bid from each conference. And then you throw in a non-power five. Like I think that's kind of weird. I think that opens the door to like an eight and three team getting in every year, whether it's the non-power five or it's an ACC or whatever. But I like the idea of rewarding the one and the two, making that worth a little bit more, giving them the buy. You're only adding one extra week in that case. And, you know, you're bringing in what are usually two really good teams that are just outside the top four.
2: Yeah, I mean the the six makes some sense, but I also just don't like um, the the teams having a different amount of games. And uh, there's like an, enough yeah. difficulty with the time structures in in college football. Uh, it's already a pretty long season. And you're asking these guys to play and bumming it back a little bit further. Like I, I definitely get where the the six teams make sense. Um, numerically and you know how it lines up with the power five conferences plus one um, that that type of thing Um, it just for me I think four is great I think that there should be an exclusive element to this and there there should be debate on on who gets you know left out um, that type of thing so I'd I just think that uh, the teams with, with the four the four best teams that have gotten in uh, each of these pre- previous years, I feel like have been, like, the four best teams. I don't feel like we've gotten, like, a crap playoff card necessarily. I mean, so, some teams, if you, like, gave, how how many playoffs have there been? Like, what, six or seven? I think, um, yeah,
3: five or six at this so point. So
2: all of, all of those teams, you know, maybe, maybe if you, like, power rank them, you know, one to one to 28 or whatever it would be uh you'd run into some teams that that shouldn't that wouldn't make uh the top half or whatever that Michigan State team sure yes for for that's a great example so bad they and then you know Washington the year after although uh, Washington that was like one of my greatest early like college football calls I was like they're they're gonna win. They're gonna win right. the Pac-12 next year. And but see, and that's what I'm did. talking
3: about. Like, I love that team, and it it sucked to see them lose like they did. But like, I I didn't feel like they didn't deserve to be there at the time. I mean, I, I know the results prove it out, but I, I think if anything, that just speaks to like how dominant those those top two teams, you know, kind of take your turn of Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State have been.
2: Yeah, no, that that definitely is true. Like those those three are the the true cut above, and mm-hmm. you know, it does feel like on a given year. Um. Everyone is playing to get that four speed four right. slot, and Oklahoma seems to get it a lot, but they don't. They don't really uh, tend to do anything with it. Um, not not to sh- uh, crap on Oklahoma too hard. Just you know, I'm just stating facts or, or what have you. Um,
3: but it's going yeah. <laughs>
2: I just I just think that the exclusivity of the four versus the the watered downness of the eight. I, I do feel like expansion is probably um, inevitable. And especially if college football is hurting for money after after this year, uh, what better way to make money than, than to expand the playoff and, and get bigger TV revenues from there? So, like, I, I'm openly admitting that that four isn't going to be permanent, but I really like it the way it is.
3: I think if nothing else, we can agree that this is so, so much better than the BCS format. Oh, thousand. Like, yeah,
2: just eons, eons better. Like, it's, right. it, I love it. I, I ugh, Yeah, the, I, I like almost can't believe that we ever had the BCS system. It, it's wild to think about it, you know, in contrast yeah. to, to this particular format.
3: Well, and the BCS was an upgrade over the previous system where you just took a vote at the end of the year. And, you know, maybe maybe you thought you were the title winner. You just claim it.
2: Yep. I, I love the um, yeah, I love just the sheer objectiveness of, yeah, oh, no, I thought they were pretty good. Right, and then, right. you know, they get to or like a, a split national title. Those are right. those are obviously very, very satisfying. I'm sure Michigan yeah. just really loves having their split 97 or whatever that right.
3: is. <laughs> I think Minnesota has like six claimed national titles from like 1740, you know, the 1740s <laughs> that they are still holding on to. And some guy named Harris just decided to start his own poll for a while. That messed everything up. I, I'm, I'm very glad we're beyond those days.
2: God bless it. Yes, good for computers, and then good for committees that use computers. Yeah.
3: Thank God for Condoleezza Rice. All right, so we're we're over a half hour into this thing, and I've completely buried the lead. How does all this affect fantasy college football for this year?
2: Well, I've been thinking a lot about it because that is my I hope job. You have,
3: and It'd be really weird if you weren't.
2: <laughs> so, wait, wait, really? Um, but yeah, the 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 staggered starts I think is going to uh, make for. But, all right, I'll start at what this looks like for season long. Um, when it comes to season long formats, I'm not going to be playing a ton of them that are the standard redraft for for this year. I think that there's just too many unknowns. I just don't think it's going to be as great of a format this year as it, I think in general. Season long college fantasy football is like one of the more challenging and fun fantasy sports that, that you can possibly play. Obviously, I'm a huge proponent of it all that good stuff. I just think that this year with everything that's going on, um, it's going to be difficult for it to be a truly high quality product, the way that it has been in years past. There, there are ways around that though. I think if you play in a best ball format, I know that, uh, Fantrax, um, offers that. And, um, I've, participated with a bunch of other industry people in a handful of best ball, uh, drafts over the course of this summer. Um, I look forward to to those playing out. I think that that's the best way of going about it. Just having really deep rosters and doing best ball that way, as far as like, you know, maybe, uh, customizing it to, Um, certain conferences. So if you want to get started right away, then maybe uh, knock SEC out of your uh, player pool. Or or if you want to wait until SEC starts, then you you, you negate uh, those opening weeks uh, uh, elsewhere. Um, And then I think this is going to, oddly enough, be a kind of a good thing for for college football DFS. I think that it's going to le- lend itself to a lot of really fun slates, a lot of really interesting slates, um, ones where you know we, we basically have to just sort through a big 10 ACC, slate uh, all the way through and you you know you don't get the SEC teams but uh, you also don't get those tough SEC defenses that, that you have to like worry about uh, one of your stud players going up against um, so there's going to be like a fun combo of slates uh, or con- fun combo of games on given slates especially earlier on in the season and I think that that'll continue uh, forward uh, my big like kind of just lingering question about Uh, how college football DFS can can make this work. And maybe this will apply to the NFL as well because they generally... Uh, release these contests several days um, before they actually run. So, like the the salaries for the Saturday main slate come out on Monday night or Tuesday morning, that type of thing. If a player tests positive for COVID on on Friday and it's like the starting quarterback at, at Michigan, um, and then all of a sudden there's like a bingo free space. Quarterback at minimum price, like, wh- how are these uh, DFS sites going to handle that? Where mm-hmm. um, th- there are going to be too many guys that become screaming values uh, if you know a, a certain team gets gets hit hard uh, by COVID and in-, in one way or the other. So maybe they they have to like just kind of raise uh, the the prices of. Um, you know, of the minimum or raise that minimum salary. So like on, on FanDuel, I think it's like 4500 Maybe raise that up a little bit. And, and on DraftKings, I think it's 3K against your salary cap. Uh, find a way to ra- raise that so you don't get as many just ridiculous values. Or maybe you, you just you take the player names out of it and you, you draft like unit groups. Like I, I want Ohio State's uh, running backs this week, that, that type of thing. So there's a lot of ways to, to go about it. I'm interested to see how it ends up playing out. Um, with all, everything that's going on. But I, I do think that DFS is going to be great for college this year. And, and I also think that, um, that season-long can work if you go the best ball route. Otherwise, I think there's going to be too much uh, based on – uh, one of your league mates w- was sitting at his computer at the right time saw the news come across at right. the right time and, and got the claim in on time uh, to, to scoop you know player x that that's going to have a huge elevated role this week. I, I don't think that that is going to be the best way to, of going about it and may, maybe that all, all of this translates uh, to NFL regular season longs as well but i, I do feel like it's going to be a strong season uh, for for fantasy as long as there is a season at all
3: I love that idea of doing a position group, and I, I think that works probably a little bit better at the college football level, where the players are just inherently a little bit more anonymous than they are in the NFL. Um, has that been done at all? Like, do you know of any sites or contests in the past that have that have used that format?
2: I don't think so. So um... there
3: hasn't been a reason, obviously, but it's it's an interesting format, and like you said, it would really account for. The possibility of not one, but, you know, multiple players, you know, that are in the same position room possibly being ruled out just before game time.
2: Yeah. So it would, it would help smooth that over and and make it a a little bit more manageable. Um, so I don't know, but it's one idea. Um, if it ends up getting, uh, traction, then that is completely our intellectual property. And, and we will, um, we will get our sports illustrated brain formula legal team, uh, knocking on your door. (laughs)
3: All right, let's hit a few quick news items before we head out. Uh, we got some, some great news, uh, relatively at least, from Mackenzie Milton's mother, of all people, who uh, uh, issued a statement this week on Twitter um, basically saying that Mackenzie Milton is, in her words, all the way back, uh, which is incredibly encouraging considering we haven't seen him play football in 21 months, and at that time he essentially suffered like the Alex Smith injury right i mean it was a close to an amputation situation you know a lot of concerns about potential permanent nerve damage uh you know you obviously have to take this with a grain of salt considering the the long layoff and the severity of the injury but you know it's it's starting to look like it's at least a possibility that that this guy could maybe play uh in 2020 or at least in the future at some point which is you know a lot more optimistic than it looked uh, over this last year and a half yeah, that
2: that is truly amazing. I, I really thought that there was basically no way that that um that he ever gets on a competitive football field again. That that injury against South Florida was uh, horrible. Um, and, you know, it didn't sound like basically up until, you know, the, this report or whatever that things were really trending all that well in the, in the right direction. So um, that's pretty amazing that, that things have got have have reversed course and things are going as well now as they are. Ah, uh, whether he's able to play again, uh, let alone this year, I, I don't know, but um, or especially for for this year. But um if he trends in the right direction or continues to and and is able to play, you know in twenty twenty one that'd be awesome because I think college football in, um, in central Florida are better when Mackenzie Milton is out there. I think he's a total difference maker. a um, really fun guy to watch. Uh, you know, his 2017 and 2018 seasons were uh, pretty amazing. Um, so, you know, Hope everything goes well. I don't think he has like a, a, an NFL future and that that, no, but, not. that I felt pre injury. But um, if he gets to, you know, kind of end his football career on his terms when, you know, he was in a wheelchair at one point be, because of, you know, just this injury, uh, then, you know, more power to him. So I, I think that, you know, like you, uh, everybody, uh, everybody is rooting for, for Mackenzie Milton.
3: Yeah, there's a great breakdown in the Orlando Sentinel um, that has some quotes from Mackenzie Milton, some social media posts as well. Uh, apparently, 50 percent of people who suffered that type of injury usually have to have the leg amputated. And he had he was in surgery three hours after the, the play that that he sustained the injury on. So, I mean, factoring in transportation time and whatnot, I mean, it was essentially you know emergency surgery for a football injury, which is obviously extremely rare.
2: Yeah, that was, yeah, you could tell like right away, like the, all the noise in that stadium uh, went out and it was, it was very obvious right away. And they they didn't even show the full replay, I I think, when, when, when they were doing the live broadcast. Like it was,
3: it was very apparent very immediately that, that something had gone uh, horribly wrong. I I am a huge proponent of never watching videos of those injuries. And as someone as someone who still plays like rec sports every now and then, I don't even want the idea in my mind that that's possible to happen to a human body. But uh, yeah, enough talk about potentially severed arteries. Um, In other news, Harvey Updike passed away last week. Uh, I, I think any college football fan recognizes that name and. I just wanted to bring it up for that reason. Like, my, my friend uh, was the one who who broke this tragic news to me last week, and we were both like, I can't believe that we just know who this guy is. Like, there's really no reason for two 20-something-year-old guys in Wisconsin to remember Harvey Updike. But if you're a sports fan, you remember the guy and his first and last name who who poisoned the trees at Toomer's Corner.
2: Yeah, just an, a wild, wild uh, act of fandom. It, it just... He's like the perfect encapsulation of like if you want to just say like it means more about SEC fans yeah. or, or just like sports fans in general are <laughs> lacking a bit of just common sense or just normal decency. It's like, yeah. And, you know, to to one extent, you know, you everyone feels a certain way about their rivals. And, you know, it's not everyone has the stones or the just the screw loose to really act on him. But like. RV Updike probably did something that a lot of Alabama fans have thought about for years and years and years and and would do if 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 put in a different situation so like you know in a way he's a folk hero to Auburn people he's obviously a a huge villain and it you know as a guy who uh is a a fan of botany I hate to see those trees get poisoned but um
3: yeah that was my first thought
2: of course yes RIP to those trees but uh just a a wild kind of just confluence of, of just college football traits that, are, that are a little bit unique to college football and a little bit more just kind of universal, just crazy fandom type of stuff, all coming into one to just make this amazing little, you know, footnote in, in college football history that, that I think, like you said, we all know, we all know who Harvey Updike is. And because of, you know, this his wild, wild a- actions after that iron Bowl.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's another like non true celebrity fan of a team that everybody just universally knows. So I I think it's a obviously a very complicated and frankly bizarre legacy that he leaves behind. But at the very least, people know who Harvey Updike is. Uh, let's look into this Big Ten schedule a little bit. Uh, but before we get out of here, uh, two four seven Sports did a nice little breakdown uh, of each team's new schedule, uh, ranking them from cakewalk to brutal, and. <sighs> The only team in the cakewalk category, John, is the Wisconsin Badgers, who have dodged everybody. They have, I mean, a ridiculously easy schedule. It was already going to be fairly easy before all the COVID-related changes. Uh, the Notre Dame game was kind of looming as as a big-time toss-up, one that was going to mm-hmm. be played uh, at Lambeau Field. But, you know, now they they pretty much dodge all of the powers in the conference and especially dodging Ohio state, uh, the team that you know has ended their season uh, in one way or another time after time after time. Um, they don't play Ohio state. They don't play Penn state. They don't play Michigan state. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of the Michigan game for Wisconsin. And, you know, you would think that if, if they win that one, they're going to be one of those teams that we kind of talked about earlier where, you know, maybe they're not all that impressive, but the schedule, you know, when we look at, look back in hindsight, there, there's a decent chance that Wisconsin would make it through unscathed. Well,
2: you know, and, and you know that you won't be uh, just sleepwalking into that Michigan game because you you draw the, the Illinois fighting Illini uh, the week before. I mean, we know the Badgers uh, have never looked past them uh, to right. to blemish their record or, or anything like that. Um,
3: <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. I did, I, I, did I ever tell you the full story of, of my personal experience with that game last year?
2: were were you were you at a wedding for this one? I feel like you were at like a thousand weddings, but
3: well, well, well that's part of the story. I was supposed to be at a wedding. I got uninvited from the wedding because of the, the, uh, the family, it was like, it was like a family friend of my girlfriend. So not like a, you know, I didn't, I didn't like do anything to get kicked off the list, but basically they found out like a week before the wedding that the venue was like cracking down. It was like, you cannot bring any number of people over your limit. And I think they knew they were over the limit. And they were like, ah, you know, 20 people, whatever, it won't matter. And apparently they were told that was not the case. So I got cut because they, at that time especially, did not really know me at all. Not a big deal. So I'm like, all right, this is great. I'll just, you guys can go to the wedding. I'll just stay home and watch Wisconsin kick the crap out of Illinois. Yes. So while well, my girlfriend and her entire family are at this, what turned out to be, I'm told, a very fun wedding, I'm just sitting on her parents' you know couch at their house, just sadly sipping a couple Bud Lights as Wisconsin falls to Illinois and basically kisses its playoff hopes goodbye. <laughs>
2: <laughs> with like a, a rented tux with like a Ron Dane jersey on underneath,
3: <laughs> and it's sewn into the breast pockets. <laughs> God, yeah, yeah, that was I, I one, feel one like... of my lowest days as a fan. There's been a lot, but that was up there.
2: Yeah, it's it's important to to have a little bit of scar tissue to you. Um, yeah. Trying to, I mean, Georgia's loss this past year was was bad, but like, yeah, I basically just like stomped around the office, but no one else was in here type type of thing on a Saturday, so not not as not as uh, memorable, Uh, unfortunately. But yeah, bottom line here, uh, Wisconsin, the uh, the path is laid out, baby. Um, You know, I I I wish that this was the 2019 Badgers roster, because I'm generally. I trust the the coaching staff and, and the player development at, at Wisconsin, obviously. But um, I think that the, if if the 2019 Badgers went 10 and 0 with this schedule, like there would have been no doubt that they were deserving of of a playoff spot type of thing. But this year, I'm, I don't know that they, they might you know be squeaking out some wins, and you know right. you got to get past Maryland as well.
3: Yeah, very true. A good year for Wisconsin, I think, to have a, a down schedule as it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a transitional year at a lot of position groups. But, you know, Ohio State, Penn State, um, Minnesota, those teams are all all in fairly good shape schedule wise. Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, and Northwestern, some of those teams, it gets a little more difficult. I mean, something you have to keep in mind, like the teams with the three hardest schedules, Illinois, Rutgers and Maryland, they don't, you know, they don't get to play themselves. So I think that's part of the reason that they have such a tough schedule, but even then, I mean, Illinois, you know, as it's laid out in in that two, four, seven piece has, has to play seven of the top eight teams in the conference. The only one that they dodge is Michigan Rutgers Dodges, Minnesota and Iowa. They play everybody else. Maryland has to play eight of the top nine. You know, they get Michigan, Penn state, Ohio state, Wisconsin. They basically play everybody. Nebraska is the only like semi-competent team that, that they dodge. So uh, Maryland kind of gets the short end of the stick here, John.
2: Uh, yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll just call it another developmental year under Mike Loxley. Um, just keep building those recruiting classes. Uh, the, the recruiting classes, you know, they, they never like actually pan out on the field or anything, but uh, they they, okay. they tend to look good on the, on the 24-7 team rankings page. So uh, that's really all that counts.
3: You got any other news items?
2: Uh, let's see. So a bit of movement uh, for all you Conference USA heads out there. Um, Chris Robeson, uh, I believe, is no longer on the roster uh, for your Florida Atlantic Owls under Willie Taggart. Uh, so, doing some discipline to to get his um in Boca uh, under 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 way. So, this guy Nick Tronti is going to be your new quarterback there. I, I don't really know what this offense is going to look like uh, just yet. The, some of the stuff in terms of like the plays per game and the and the pass run. Uh, splits not too different from uh, what he was running at FSU so maybe there won't be a huge uh, stylistic transition uh, for FAU this year but they they did lose a ton of production um, and losing Robeson on top of that um, definitely hurts uh, the Owls chances in the Conference USA.
3: We should note too uh, I I just noticed this uh, came out you know as we were recording it looks like the Big Ten published a, a fairly similar kind of manifesto, I guess, uh, similar to what the Pac-12 issued last week in the Players' Tribune. Uh, it, it's a little bit less focused on, you know, the Black Lives Matter and, and you know, social justice. You know, a, a lot of, of what the Pac-12 was laying out was, you know, kind of future groundwork for inclusion and things like that. This one from the Big Ten is is much more focused on this season and and the COVID-19 guidelines but they're asking for a lot of the same things that the pac-12 was you know third party approved by players uh you know uh agencies to administer administer the testing uh which when you read that it it almost implies like we don't trust you to tell us that we're not testing uh positive you know which is a whole different can of worms to to get into but yeah yeah um,
2: it goes to show what what they think about you know just like their regular treatment (laughs) from these from these training staffs yeah
3: well i mean you don't want to read too far into it but I mean, it's yeah, it'd be, it'd be basically it'd be nice if you could trust the NCAA, uh, but they're they're saying that they would prefer sure. to be a third party. And, and that's understandable. Um, but most of what else is in there, and, and you can go ahead and read it yourself, is, is about what you'd expect. Um, but, you know, I, I think looking at this positively, players are on board to play if the situation is comfortable for them. And I think that's kind of been the guiding principle all along, right? Like there haven't been that many players who have outright said, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, a lot of the guys opting out. Uh, like Parsons and and Bateman are are guys who you know have the NFL draft stock already and you know kind of see this as maybe an opportunity to train up and probably not lose all that much draft stock if, if anything maybe you you just avoid the the chance of injury but there haven't been a ton of players who at least publicly have voiced that much concern and I think it's at least encouraging that if you know the vast majority of these these points that are laid out in these pieces from from the Big 10 and the Pac12 if those are met Players at least seem to be very much on board to play.
2: Yeah, you know, if there is, uh, yeah, if all those safety, you know, thresholds are met, and you know, the the schools have, and the NCAA has a very, you know, vested interest in doing in doing that, and making it a possibility to for the season to even happen, then yeah, and that would be, you know, something that to where. More and more players are going to have less second thoughts, I guess, about uh, playing this year if all of those uh, safety measures are met. So, you know, here's cheering for, for that to, you know, end up being the case and that, that, that this can go off safely and, and, and therefore, you know we we get to be treated to seeing the these you know amazing college football players play. Like I know that Justin Fields said yesterday that he um, had not entertained uh, yet the the idea of opting out. He said he understood uh, where guys were coming from with, with the opt out, but he said that he wants to play. Um, I, I, and I think you know, like you were saying there, I think a lot of guys echo that sentiment and and want to be able to get out there and start their stuff on Saturdays.
3: All right, man. I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh, what do you have going this weekend? Anything I mean, anything different from the last five months?
2: Uh, right. Well I, I do get to watch the those uh those Baltimore Orioles. I've spent sure. a lot of time this past weekend watching them sweep the rays
3: gonna you know, Baltimore Orioles.
2: I know. Just got just got a, a little bit of cold water thrown on them by the by the equally tough Miami Marlins last night, but looking to pick that back up and yeah, mostly just uh watching sports, thinking about sports. Uh, that sort of thing. That, that that's my plan for this weekend. How about yourself?
3: Definitely thinking about sports. I, I have no plans to take any any time off from doing that. But I'm actually going camping, camping for being for the for the for the first time, I believe, unless my parents, which I don't think they would ever do this, would have taken me camping as a child. Um, I have somewhat reluctantly agreed to go to Door County, which is in kind of the northeast, basically the northeastern most point. Uh, of central wisconsin uh, given how the state is is organized and i'm going to be sleeping in a tent for two nights and as far as i'm aware that that tent will not have electricity that tent will not have cable television so uh, so you're you're full on
2: camp and you're not even glamping
3: i'm going to glamp it up as much as i can i think sure uh, you know, I've already looked into like could I sleep in the car? You know, can I charge my phone and get enough service to watch the NBA on Friday night type of things. Yeah, I'm, but I'm
2: I'm very much envisioning Tom Haverford from the camping yes. episode of Parts.
3: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh that's hopefully that's exactly how it goes.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.